It's episode eight of How I Got This Gig. On the program today, I chat with YouTuber Bobby Burns. Over the years, Bobby has grown his audience and platform, and he's been able to monetize the video content that he creates. During our conversation, we talked about why YouTube content resonates with so many people, how to handle the haters, and what he hopes to accomplish with his YouTube-only feature film. I found all of it fascinating, and I think you will too. This episode of How I Got This Gig is brought to you by CanadaVideoCompanies.ca, a great online resource to help you land more clients and get more gigs. Visit CanadaVideoCompanies.ca to create a free listing for your video production company. Okay, let's get on with this. Let's start the show. I'm Dean Rainey. Welcome to How I Got This Gig. This week I was on a shoot in Nashville and I got the chance to meet up with some friends slash colleagues and we got chatting and we got chatting about their son who is Bobby Burns uh, and, and the success that he's been having with his YouTube channel and I thought I gotta have him on the show. He's probably the youngest guest that we've ever had at 19 but he's established himself. He's made a career of creating video content on YouTube and he's monetized it. So today on this episode, I I sit down and I chat with him and it is pretty darn interesting. Now, speaking of YouTube, I do want to give you a little update on uh, my kids' uh, video channel on YouTube. They're Zach and Natalie's Vegetable and Candy Reviews. I remember a couple episodes ago, I shared a story about having to fire my daughter from the filming of an episode because she went all diva on me. And I was worried. I was worried. I put off the editing on it, uh, but then the time came. We had to put it together. The kids were bugging, and uh, my editor, Holly, she edited it, and she did confirm that I did make the right call, that Natalie was out of line. Uh, But I was still worried about, okay, how's she going to feel? How's Natalie going to feel when we play the cut for her? You know, because usually I like to play uh, an early rough cut for Zach and Natalie, and then I like to see where they laugh and what jokes are working, or maybe they have some idea and they throw something out there. So I was going to play the rough cut, but I was nervous because I thought, oh my goodness, what if it all comes back and Natalie gets all upset and why wasn't I in there, daddy? Why was it about me? I mean, she is only five after all, but she was fine. We talked about it. She said, why wasn't I in this one again? And I said, do you remember what happened? Oh yeah, I didn't like the clothes and hair hair do. And I said, that's right. And uh, we talked about it. We talked it through what was appropriate uh, on set and how to act and how to talk to people and when not to have a meltdown. And she was fine. And she enjoyed the episode. And she laughed and and she didn't feel bad about not being in it at all. So that was all good. In fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we went camping and we filmed a camping version and she was on top of her game and she was fantastic. Speaking of fantastic, How I Got This Gig is also sponsored by Videotwins.com, helping people make better videos. Check out Videotwins.com for tips, tricks, and resources to improve the quality of your video productions. This is for you, whether you're just getting started, whether you're doing it as a hobby, or whether you're a serious pro. All kinds of resources on there to help you up your game. All right, let's get on to our chat with Bobby Burns. You know, Bobby makes his living from YouTube. 
He's a content creator for CinemaSins, BrandSins, and he has a handful of his own channels that have a couple hundred thousand subscribers. His first breakthrough video, a parody trailer of Frozen as a horror film, has over 15 million views. Since then, he has built a strong platform with hundreds of thousands of followers and subscribers, and he just wrapped filming his first YouTube-only feature film. I guess that's a feature film that is only going to be on YouTube. And he just wrapped, and he's very, very excited about all of this. Oh, and by the way, he's only 19 years old, but don't go thinking he's an overnight success. It did not come easy, and it did not come quickly. So here is my conversation with YouTuber Bobby Burns. Pop in here, I'll get a level. Yep. Hello, 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 hello. Oh, sounds good. Yeah? Yeah. Perfect. So I heard you just came off a pretty insane week or a couple of weeks? Yeah, yeah. About two weeks. Uh, we've been filming, well, I guess my first feature. We've been working on it for, yeah, we've been working on it for four months, three or four months, I think. We just, and we wrapped shooting five days ago, I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're you're pretty much crashing right now, or you yeah. probably did. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've, I've been crashing, but I didn't have the chance to not work in between. So it's it, it's been fun because I went straight from, I, I originally had like three days in between the shoot and then just going back to work. But then there was like a problem with like a lav or something. So we, we, we had to push all of our shoot days ahead. So it just went immediately from last shoot day right back into the work. Oh, really? So, yeah. So I didn't oh. even, I, I haven't had any <laughs> real rest since then, but we're going down to Florida in like a week. So chill for a week. It'll be nice. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So that you wrote the script? Um, my girlfriend did. My girlfriend Jordan did. Is she in the industry as well? Or? Yeah, her and I do pretty much do everything together. Really? Yeah, yeah. We we I helped concept it and come up with the story, and then she actually wrote it, and then we've done a bunch of drafts of it and stuff. Well, congratulations. No, That's you. a huge, huge accomplishment. Yeah. So how did you get into film? Um, let's see. That that would be my dad. Um, he whenever he was a teenager, he did like a bunch of uh, skate videos. So he edited like VHS players, like going back and forth between the two. Um, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, um, about his age. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so he taught me a lot of like basic stuff like that. Taught me how to do stop motion. Um, and I, whenever I was a kid, we were uh, in a very kind of cut off religious community, like yeah. very cut off from everything. So I didn't really watch movies, didn't watch TV shows. Like VeggieTales was like the devil. Like it was the worst. VeggieTales VeggieTales. They had beats in it. They had a drum. They played drums oh, in Oh, and you can't, yeah, you can't, play you can't have the backbeat in, <laughs> no. in that, some of those Christian sects. Okay. All right. Exactly. So, so whenever we came out of that, I, I like was slowly introduced to things that everyone else had already seen and they were over. So I, I, I it was actually really cool and I'm actually glad it happened to me that way because I'm able, not able, but like I think I have a different perspective on movies than most people do because I've I experienced them at a much older age than most people do. You probably don't take them for granted or Exa something. Exactly. Exactly. What age are we talking about then? What age were you released? <sighs> when we were like fully out of out of all of it, 
Um, I was probably 12, 13, 14 was when we were like fully separated from everything. And then it was just a um, pop culture dump probably yeah, onto yeah, your lap. Yeah. Of so, like... so it was like it, YouTube was the thing that helped me find that. Like that, that was what I first became obsessed with just because I didn't have to go rent a movie or something. Because I mean, that was we, we didn't have Netflix and stuff. So it was just like YouTube was kind of my window into into everything. So like a lot of stop motion, Lego, Lego stop motion was like the, the first thing I became obsessed with and actually the guy that i was obsessed with him and i are friends now like the, the, like the guy that i was like looked up to the most on as far as lego animators on youtube like we recently kind of connected and stuff it's been really cool so what kind of just i don't want to go too back yeah, uh, yeah. too far back but like what kind of cultural stuff were you into pre-open into the world oh. there uh, um i know there was one thing that there were some kids at my church that were allowed to watch that I wasn't, which was the Lone Ranger. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And like watching some of it again, it's, it's not actually that terrible. Like some of the, some of it shot pretty well. The, the, pilot, the original, the, yeah, the, the original black and white. Yeah. The original yeah. black and white. Yeah. The pilot is actually really good. I watched that again in, in the past couple of years. It just sets up all of the characters so well. Um, yeah, Lone Ranger was the main thing that like I always wanted to watch, and I would see like little pieces of it at my Re- friend's rebelled. house. Exactly. <laughs> rebelled and watched parts of the old black and white Lone Rangers. Um, Lone Ranger, and literally, like, I I don't think there was anything. Like, it was just, I just made up stuff. Because you're a pretty creative family. Yes. I think a lot of family yes. of actors and singers and dancers and everything. <laughs> so did you do that? Did you do plays um, and sketches? No, or? no. no. I mean, I, I made videos. I didn't really watch much. I just m- made it from what my dad showed me how to do. So basically he showed me how to do a basic stop motion thing with my camera. Right. And then... I started doing some of that, and then I started hanging out with my, my, my couple of friends, and we would make little videos, and I don't even know, they weren't really sketches, and they weren't really short films, they were just like videos, which are the kind of videos I used to make when I was like 12, 13, are the kind of videos that I am now making again, just on a much higher production level, because it's the kind of stuff that people want to see. It's like you hanging out with your friends, making something really goofy, like that's some people really connect with the um, not the innocence but like the genuineness of that you know what i mean the so it's authenticity it, of just a window in on somebody's it, of like, life yes and it doesn't have to be the most professionally put together thing you can tell a, like a short goofy little story and acting doesn't have to be that great but it, as long as people can tell that you're putting effort into it and you're enjoying doing it people will really connect with it. So it, it's been cool just kind of seeing that mirrored over like seven or eight years later doing this. Is that kind of the thing about YouTube then? Because I'm not your generation. I mm-hmm. am several generations <laughs> before you, mm-hmm. and I still can't wrap my head around sometimes. I mean, I watch stuff on it. I'll watch tutorial yeah. videos or I'll catch some trailers or something. But mm-hmm. I'm watching some of these videos that some of these people that have millions and millions of subscribers and I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, the production values are not that great. The storytelling is not that great. It's very raw. Very, very yeah. raw. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think YouTube YouTube came from a place of like what you're talking about, just absolute no production value, just people sitting there talking to a camera because they were sad and lonely and they wanted other people to connect with. Um, I think YouTube is still that, but it, it, it's changed a little bit. So you have the people who are sad and lonely. A lot of them aren't actually creating YouTube videos anymore. You just have, they're just consuming what is already out there. And what is out there, there's there's so much of it. Um, and I've kind of devoted a lot of my YouTube channel now to finding really, really 
unique, interesting creators, and then also making criticisms of the creators that have these massive audiences and are doing pretty terrible stuff with the power that they have from those audiences. Right. You know what I mean? So I think the thing that I connect with most with the YouTuber is when I find someone that isn't trying to do what everyone else is doing. So if they can be genuine and you can see who the person is from watching their videos or like a, a version of who they are, because obviously it's a video, you can't encapsulate a whole person in a video. But if you can see a glimpse of who they are in their video and if they're doing something that I just really haven't seen, that's that's when I really connect. Like there's a couple guys, like there's a YouTuber named Ralph, Se Ralph Seppi and he does movie reviews, but they're like 45 minutes long what? and about half of that, Half to two-thirds of the video has nothing to do with the movie. It's like he'll start talking about a movie and then start talking about an actor in the movie and then talk about another movie that guy was in and then talking about a DVD th that he used to own and then a story about when he had... Like, it's just so all over the random. place. Yeah, yeah. But, it, it, but it's not like LOL XD random kind of comedy. It's like... It's storytelling, but it's so large. Like, the, the, the landscape for what you can do on YouTube has opened up since they, obviously, you can do hundreds of hours in right. one video. So what people are willing to watch it has totally changed. Like my videos, when I was starting out, they were like two to three minutes. Now I made, a video made a month ago was 27 minutes long and I just put one out today that was 12. And you just learn how to fill that time. Not I, I, When I make videos now, I, it's never like a, um, it'll be this many minutes and I got to figure out how to fill it. But you generally, once you do it enough, kind of get a feeling for like, oh, this topic needs about this amount of time. You know what I mean? It's like uh, when I was, I just did this video about uh, a YouTuber named Jake Paul, who's, he's not, he's a very bad person. He's not a good person. So <laughs> we did a video. So we did, the whole thing is that we made is basically like a parody of people making criticisms of his videos. So I, I, I try to make... This is like super meta. Exactly. Like, yeah. I've been trying to make my channel more and more niche. And by doing that, somehow it's expanded its audience. Because like we went up in the past in the past month, we went from 160,000 subscribers to 220,000 in literally 30 days. Wow. Because of a video I did just like that. So like I'm, I'm finding that the more meta and specific I'm getting, the where right. I feel like I'm limiting my audience, it's actually growing it. When did you get into YouTube then? P pretty close to the beginning of it. Like it, I was pretty little. Like when my dad showed me how to use my camera, within a couple months, he showed me YouTube and him and I would watch videos together because I was like, I was I was pretty little. We're talking um, like it, 12 or 13. Like, no, it was, it was younger than that. Okay. I think I was like probably nine or 10 around then. Yeah. And we would watch some YouTube videos together. And also YouTube was totally different than it is now. Like it, you, like what you could even see on YouTube was different. Like there wasn't, I don't think anyone who had high production value at that right. time. It was all super lo-fi stuff. Um, so that's when I started watching those Lego animators. I got really obsessed with a couple of them. Um, and I pretty much just watched those guys. But then I had several different YouTube channels. I tried out all different kinds of stuff. It always ended up coming back to animation, but then I'd branch out and do little things. So I had like, I used my dad's YouTube channel for a while. I did uh, a channel called Smiley Bees TV. And then when I moved up to Buffalo, I did a channel called Chicken Feet Films. And that channel I have 250 videos on, I think. Um, and that one was a lot of animation and short film stuff. And then when I moved to Arizona, I became really, really obsessed with um, film critics. And I watched probably five or six guys. I watched 
literally hundreds of their videos. Um, and just kind of consumed and learned how to analyze a movie. Just like how to view it as anything other than just images and sound coming You know that you. people pay like big money and spend four years in university <laughs> yep. to learn that? Yep. And so you're completely self-taught film criticism, basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all just from watching YouTube, from reading like Roger Ebert, and um, any criticism I could find, I, I would read it. Um, so then I, I decided that I wanted to give it a try, and I did my first uh, film review of Reservoir Dogs, which yeah. is like, it's still one of my favorite movies. It's just, it's incredible. And I tweeted it at one of like my, my film critic heroes, and he tweeted it out. Like he retweeted it. It's like the coolest thing ever. So then two days later, I made, um, I woke up and I had the idea for this video where I would take footage from the movie Frozen and then cut it with, uh, cut it into kind of like a horror trailer. Um, so that was the third day of having that YouTube channel. And then, this is Chicken Feet Films. No, no, no. no the, I'm sorry. I, I, I forgot to mention. It was when I started doing the film stuff, I started a new channel, just called Bobby Burns. Okay. Um, because I didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but I knew I was going to do film film stuff on it. Um, so then the third day of having that channel, I created that Frozen video, and I posted it. And within probably... Well, that night, by the time I'd gone to bed, it was like 75,000 views. And then I woke up the next morning and it was at 200,000. And then within three weeks, it was to 14 million. Um, wow. Yeah. So It's a 15 million. Yeah. It's pretty it, impressive. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it, it was crazy. And I, I hadn't ever had a response from one of my videos like that in any way. And I'd been doing it for five or six years at that point. Like consistently doing like i said chicken feet films is 250 260 right. videos on so it. you're about 17 18 at this point yes i'm 17 yeah i'm 17 and you didn't study any film no you were I, just self-taught your dad taught you my dad and then a bunch of youtube anything in final line and then my mom um helped me purchase like a couple video courses online like there was one that was just like wedding photography but i right. learned a lot of lighting basics from yeah. that and like uh, just small, very specific courses that were things that were very difficult to find on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but there was literally like two or three of those. It was everything else was just doing it and watching YouTube videos. And so when you woke up and you got 14 million views on this yeah. video, what did you think? It, it, oh, it, it was weird because I had seen so many YouTubers talk about that feeling. And it's, it is the craziest feeling because you, you make so many of these videos and then there's like 100 views. 20 views, 50 views. And then when that first like burst of people come in and start watching it, it's scary because it's people. It's just people. It's like all of these people. Are they commenting? And it, yeah. And they're commenting and they're liking or, or disliking. Liking. <laughs> exactly. So you have that, that weird vulnerability because it's all of these people coming at you right. at once. Um, but at the same time, it's like the most exciting thing ever. Like I couldn't sleep at all. Like when I saw that, I, I woke up like every 30, 30 minutes and I was looking at my phone and doing, I finally, I just had to turn my phone off and put it away because I just, I knew I had to sleep. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you have any idea of why it why resonated? That um, I mean, that one, it was weird because it was one of the first times where I had an idea and I knew something would happen from it. Yeah. Because it was, that was at the, the highest point of frozen's like right at the right. peak of it Absolutely. i hit it which was huge yeah oh it was My insane kids. like any anything anything vaguely relating to the title frozen right like a movie critic that that i really loved decided to review the horror film frozen around that time because he knew it would get huge and the video just blew up it was huge um it's well huge. done too i don't want to yeah. underestimate no, totally. that, that your edit was strong it was a yeah. great trailer i, I it, 
it was weird because it was the first one I'd ever done that way. And when I look back at it now, it has so many of the fundamental things that yeah. I still do when I do those kind of trailers. Um, so I just, I guess I got lucky and I just accidentally did the right thing because I cut it in literally an hour and a half. They literally Sometimes just brilliance comes like that. It's, it's, it's like natural. It, it's just meant to be mm-hmm. You're chiseling out and it all comes together. And it was the first time that I had felt that working on a video. Like wow. it was the first time I had felt like, oh, this could be something because I played this certain part and I felt chills on my neck and I was like, ooh, I've never done something that felt like that. That's weird. Um, So that happened and then I reached out to um, a bunch of other YouTubers just like to to pimp it out and just to be able to talk to them because they're people I'd super respect you. So I tweet and be like, hey, I made this. Can I interview you or something? (laughs) Like just to get any kind of connection with them because they were the, those were the guys that I looked looked up to even more than filmmakers at that point because they were the ones making things that I was consuming. Um, so, I mean, them and Quentin Tarantino. Like, right. it, it, Quentin <laughs> was his own separate thing. Um, so, it just happened that I was talking to CinemaSins on Twitter right around the time when that thing happened. And I got an email from a guy named Kevin who runs the YouTube network that they um, are partnered through. So I started an internship with them when I moved down to Nashville, and I worked with them for probably two or three months, maybe 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 a little bit more than that. Um, and then they offered me a job, and I started working with them, and I've been working with them three years now, two and a half, three years. Wow! I've been working with them, I've launched a bunch of other YouTube channels and that kind of stuff. But it's basically my my little. YouTube journey. The arc, yeah. yeah that's yeah. fantastic. So were you able to monetize that 15 million views? You were set yeah. up, you were ready, just like, if anything's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, before I started the channel, I knew that there was always the possibility of something like that happening. And I, I mean, I had Chicken Feet Films monetized. I had okay. all of that stuff done. And at that point, it was it, it was at the point in YouTube where it was very easy to monetize things. Because yeah. forever, you couldn't monetize unless you were with a network. Um, and my my Chicken Feet Films channel, I had a video that did v- very small numbers compared to what it, what happens now, but it was literally like 200,000 views. A YouTube network reached out to me, and um, I was able to, to partner through them, and literally like two weeks later, YouTube made it where anybody could monetize their videos. And I was like, no, I've worked for so many years. Because then this. you had to give them a cut. Yeah, exactly, because the then I had to give them a cut still. So with, with this one, um, I had it set up already. So like I, I, I was able to use that. I just bought a car yeah. with, with that. Like I was able to, what? Yeah. I was able to buy my car. I didn't, I, it was really nice to be able to start off just having a car, not having payments on it. <laughs> like, I mean, it used up all the money, but you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, no, it I really think nice. that's fantastic. Yeah. So you get paid for that. Mm-hmm. You get a car with that money. Mm-hmm. You get an internship that leads to full-time employment. Mm-hmm. And you say, I'm not going to school. Yeah. I'm going to keep going with this. Yeah. Was that an easy or a difficult decision? Oh, it was, it was super easy. I, I, I wasn't good at school. I, yeah. I, I'm, I love learning so much, but it has to be in a way where I'm interested in the thing. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And at this point, I feel like I would be interested in most of the things that I was learning. But when I was 15, I didn't care about almost any of the subjects I was doing. I just wanted to go make stop motion videos. Yeah. Like that that was what I was doing. So my mom did a really, really great job of, she homeschooled me and made it where I could be doing my animation stuff, but also she'd find ways to be like, hey, come over here and look at this. <laughs> right. This is interesting, right? right? Um, so she did a really good job of kind of mixing 
the things I was interested in with the things that I need to learn to be like an, a normal human being. <laughs> right. Um, and you've been at this for years. So she yeah, knew, yeah. yeah, probably let's let them follow this. Exactly. Yeah. And they've, they've consistently pushed me towards doing the thing that I'm good at. Um, not like they decided this is what you're good at, but like they let me figure out what that was. So how do you follow up a 15 million viewed video? <laughs> I, at that point, I, I just basically, I had another idea for a trailer. So I did, um, probably two or three, no, probably the next day. Actually, um, I started editing. I made star Wars, uh, like a Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah. And that one actually, that one got to a million views as well because, because of the crazy views coming in. Right. Um, on the frozen one, it was like, Oh, what else? Oh, he also did that. And that, that video is pretty funny. I when, I, when you rewatch that one, it's pretty funny. And then after that, I just fully went in and started doing movie reviews and I would do a, trailer edit every now and then to get some new people in some new views um and the movie reviews they they were they did okay but it was basically just me sitting in front of the camera talking about my opinion on a movie and i would intercut little clips and music and stuff but it was just super basic editing and me learning how to form an argument basically right like to have a thought on camera because i, I never scripted them I, I didn't want them to feel i didn't want them to feel written when i'm not when I wasn't presenting them as written material, like yeah. it was supposed to feel like this is just off the top of my head. So it had to be just off the top of my head. Like I would bullet point a few things. Like I know I want to talk about the cinematography. I know I want to talk about Tim Roth's suit coat, like something like that. But like, I wouldn't put down what I wanted to say about it. Um, I did, I did those for a long time. I did those for probably a year and a half of just very consistently on the Bobby Burns, on channel. the Bobby Burns channel. I, I have so many movie <laughs> reviews on the channel. I think, I mean, already, since, since we I went just went over to the Bobby Burns channel, I think I'm to 160 videos on this one since the middle of, I guess 2015. Yeah, I guess. Um, so I, it was at least at least once a week. Most of the times it was two or three videos a week. Really my, reviews. Yeah, of reviews yeah. because my parents gave me they they said that once I turned 18, I had a year and I could just fully pursue YouTube. I didn't have to go. Uh, look for another job i could just do youtube for a full year and see see where it went so i did that and that's when i ended up getting that internship and the job because of that wow yeah that's fantastic that's pretty lucky too i think so lucky a lot of things came together yeah for that so the main channel that you work on now Mm -hmm. is bobby burns yes and then you're still with cinema sense yes i i host a show called brand sense so um it's it's like it's the general idea of cinema sins where you're basically just picking a topic and then write a bunch of jokes about it because cinema sins it, it, they talk about movies on it, but it's a comedy show disguised right. as a review show, yeah. which is most review shows on YouTube. Um, but uh, brand sins, it's very, very blatantly a joke show. So you're getting money from your Bobby Burns channel mm-hmm. plus your job. Yes. All right. I want to talk a little bit about your production style then. Like yeah, when you said you're doing your criticisms, mm-hmm. um, you're you're not writing them. You're not scripting them. You have an outline. You film it, and then it's all happening in the post production. Then you're doing, you're jump cutting it. I know the kids mm-hmm. like the jump cuts these yes. days. Yeah, it's. I mean, jump cuts are something that are definitely overused. I think once you edit with jump cuts for long enough, you start to understand where they're they, they should be used and yeah. where they shouldn't. Because a lot of people use them just to compress time, and that's such a waste of jump cuts. Because people people can sit there through a breath. If it's an interesting breath. That's right. You know what I mean? There's there's so many little things like that. But um, if you can use them as beats. Exactly. Then you're at another level. That's, 
Oh, that's good. I haven't talked to someone who understands that. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Um, so you still keep things raw? Yes, yes, very, very much so. Like as far as what I do now, I went through uh, several phases on this YouTube channel. It started out with those movie reviews, then it moved into some short film stuff, and then these really long um, movie reviews that were more like kind of comedic analysis of a movie. And like one of them ended up being like 45 minutes, like these really big pieces. Well, that I were... want to talk to you about that because, yeah, yeah. you know, us older generations, we're trying to keep up with you, you youngins <laughs> there. And mm-hmm. so there's the, you know, we're, we're used to long form television, right? Mm-hmm. 22 minutes for a half hour, 44 minutes for an mm-hmm. hour. That's what our viewing habits are used to. Then yeah. YouTube comes out and everything's short, short, quick, music videos, all that stuff. Yeah. But now you're saying, mm-hmm. and because all the adults are like, no, no, the kids don't have any attention span anymore. Yeah. But now there's a shift in another direction where you're doing, or people are doing 45 minute yeah. uh, movie I mean, review videos. Th- and There's definitely been a shift because of the YouTube algorithm. Yeah. Um, it shifted in a way where if you can get your video to over 10 minutes, you get a much higher um, ad revenue for the whole video. Really? Yeah. So it created a good thing where people are creating much more interesting long-form content. So right. there's more time to tell a story. It also created people just finding anything to fill time to hit 10 minutes. So so there's it's two, there's two sides to it. Um, and there's a lot of like daily vloggers and stuff that will put material into a vlog that there's no reason for it to be into there, but they need the video to be 10 minutes. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so, so what you're saying about the, the, like the 45 minute video I did, um, most of them that I was doing were more closer to around 20. I probably did, uh, I probably did 10 of, of this specific show and it had a very negative slant towards the movies cause it was like all like really terrible movies and it was just basically like, uh, it, it, cinema sins meets Mystery Science Theater 3000, meets any kind of show like that. Right. Um, And then I started getting more into short films. So I started doing a a lot more like video production. I did like, I did the show called The Tube that was a mockumentary style, kind of like The Office, but about just me and my buddy Kevin trying to make YouTube videos. So it was false reality kind of thing. Um, And then, I'm trying to remember what else I did. I've divided up Did that go over well? Yeah, yeah, it it, it it didn't grow like a huge following, but the people who were on my channel really liked it. Yeah, because it was a way to explore who I was in a fictional way. That's what I'm interested in. Like, mm-hmm. where 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 do people latch on? Do they just love your raw, real you stuff, mm-hmm. your criticisms, uh, the, sort of the nonfiction stuff versus the fictionalization stuff, which are usually a lot harder to put together? Oh yeah, <laughs> way harder. So what I'm doing right now is my favorite thing. It's, it's what I've been trying to get to through all the time of doing YouTube um, is my videos right now are a, a blend of, I view them as a blend of like cinema and raw, grungy YouTube vlogging. So like the video that I just put out, it's like I told you, it's super niche and I'm parodying very specific things in it. So I did a parody of a diss rap track in it because everyone is making like diss tracks about the certain YouTuber. So I made one that's just so over the top and terribly written that it's obvious it's a, like it's very obvious that I'm parodying the very specific things. There's a part where I'm um, doing reaction, uh, there's a section that's reactions to reactions of reactions in it, and then one section where I'm doing like a fake rant at the camera. But before any of that starts, there's a two-minute memento um, homage 
that's my intro to coming back to YouTube because I hadn't uploaded a video in two and a half weeks because I was working on the film. Um, so two and a half weeks in two, YouTube world is a long it's time. It's very long time. Yeah, I didn't upload for two and a half weeks, and that's that was huge. Wow. Um, like, uh, like people were tweeting, I'd be like, "Where? What happened? Where's where are the videos?" Even though I made a video specifically <laughs> saying I'm gonna be gone for two weeks, they 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 still don't pay attention to that. Um, but I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah, so the beginning of the video, it's a two minute. Uh, homage to Memento yeah. that's also conveying the information that I'm trying to get across in my in the real life like hey I'm coming back to make another YouTube video it's been a long time I kind of missed doing this I missed the um, affirmation from having my audience say hey we like this thing you made because we were working on a film where no one was saying that it was just us being like I think this is good okay let's go shoot the next thing there's no like response to it and I'm so used to every time I create something it immediately goes up and I have a response to see if it's good. Right. Um, so I, that's the beginning of the video. And then it goes, th then there's like sketches and then there's an actual talking to the camera vlog part. And in the middle of one of the sketch parts, I just got, I got genuinely angry at the guy that we're making the video about. So I just stopped doing the sketch and just talked to the camera. So like things like that, where it's just this huge blend of realism and fiction and, I, I, I'm trying to blend to the point where sometimes you just actually can't tell which one it is. That's kind of what I'm striving for right now. So people can be genuinely confused because I love being genuinely confused by a YouTuber because it's so hard to do. Because you start to, when you watch someone every day, like, like you do on YouTube, you develop a, a very strange relationship with them where it's not... It's not a normal relationship. Like if you just walked into someone like, hey, it's a celebrity relationship, but way closer than a celebrity relationship because you see them literally every day and they're saying something new each time. It's not like you're rewatching the same movie. So when you can start to trust a YouTuber um, or feel like you can trust a YouTuber, that's where I think it gets super dangerous, where people get super obsessed with, I know this person. Right. So if they're saying something, then obviously it's true. They wouldn't lie to me. So my goal is to make my channel about the fact that I am lying to my audience constantly and they can tell when I'm lying. That's, I know it's a really strange idea, but like that's kind of my way of justifying having a large audience of people right. that listens to what I say. Because that's, that's a very weird feeling of like 200,000 people watch the... Or not, they don't all watch, but like are subscribed to my channel and have the, the possibility of listening to the things I'm saying to them. And it's hard to picture them as people. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's 200,000. It's just a number. And I've, I've met probably 30, 30 really? of them. Yeah. Because I, I went to VidCon years ago when I was doing the Chicken Feet Films channel. Yeah. And like I met people who knew me from that. When it was, and it was literally, the channel had 20,000 subscribers. No, it must be, after, sorry, it must be a, a trip to go to these things because, oh, yeah. you know, people get obsessed about movie stars or mm -hmm. TV stars and they think, oh, I know those people, but those people, you know, they work like a couple of months on a show or whatever and they go on to the next thing and there's no connection, there's no comments, there's and no... And they're playing a character, they're playing a character way more than a YouTuber And then you show up and you have no idea who these people are mm -hmm. and you're just a, still a dude. No, mm -hmm. you don't have any PR person preparing you for all of this. Yeah, and, and exactly. Then, and even at that point, like my channel was like n like nobody knew what my channel was but there were still people there who knew who I was right. because they had seen one of my videos like it didn't matter which one they had seen they had seen me at some point so like when I would meet someone I probably met I probably met like six or ten people the first time I went to VidCon um, and like I was shaking so hard when someone would come up to me because it was weird 
because they knew who I was and had watched my videos and knew a bunch of things about me, but they had literally no idea who they were. And And quite personal things, I gotta Exactly, exactly. And I know it sounds weird, but like my taste in film is so connected to who I am and what I value. So when someone knows everything that I like and don't like, they they know me to a certain extent. You know what I mean? But I don't know who any any of them are. So it's a very nerve-wracking, strange experience. And I, I, I'm much better at it now because I've done it a couple times. Right. Like my brother and I were we we were working out at like seven in the morning and we went to Starbucks to get my girlfriend a drink and we walked in, a guy working behind the counter recognized us. He brought his coffee around and was like, hey man, really love what you're doing. And I'm like dripping sweat and gross hair. I'm like, oh, awesome. Nice to meet you, man. So it's just like- Did he give you free coffee? No, no, he did not give us free coffee. We had already paid for it. Um, but like, it, it is a very strange experience and it totally kind of takes you out of your body just for a second yeah. because you're like, oh, someone is viewing me in a different way than I view me. And you have to look at yourself and like, what am I actually doing this morning right now? How am I standing? What do I look like? Like it's very, it, it shifts your perspective a lot. Sure. How do you deal with the, with the haters then? <laughs> a lot I get of... disappointed when I put up a, a just, you know, nothing mm-hmm. special video, just mm-hmm. something. And I get a dislike. I'm like, why even bother? What is to dislike about this? I don't have an opinion in this video. I didn't say anything. It may be just 30 seconds of my kids or something. And somebody said, I don't like this. I don't, I'm not a fan. I'm um, not a fan. A lot of depression. That helps. A lot of, a lot of that. <laughs> um, no, I, basically, it's the most, it's what literally everyone says about it. You just have to ignore it to a certain extent. So right. I, my, my worldview is very much a optimistic, pessimist's worldview. Um, and that's how I view other people's content as well. It's like, I want this to be good, but I know that most of it probably isn't. You know what I mean? Because most things people make aren't that good because they haven't actually spent the time to make them good. So when someone is commenting on my videos saying, this sucks, I'm like, okay. Like, if you if you go to their channel, that normally helps. If you yeah, go to their channel seen and that. you can see you can see what <laughs> they make, you're like, oh, I'm fine, I'm yeah, good. If it's someone like that, I really respect, and they said like that to me, I don't know how I'd react because that would be that'd be pretty crushing. You know what I mean? To have someone you super look up to be like, no, this sucks. <laughs> I'm but sorry. you make a whole living out of criticism. Yeah. yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, but the kind of criticism that I do is I I try to avoid any kind of personal criticism. But you're talking about YouTubers now. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, yeah. So my, kind of some of the rules that I've, I've set up, because I've talked to my girlfriend a lot with this, yeah. because I have kind of like two parts of me. I have part, part of me that's like very aggressive and like high energy and like, yeah, I want to do this thing and doesn't really think about it. And then there's the other kind of just like, oh man, that'd be, that would must suck for him. Like, I don't, <laughs> like even if it's a horrible person, like, regardless of political whatever like i've been very anti-trump throughout the whole election process and then the day he actually was elected there was like all these videos of him looking super sad like so sad on twitter and i felt so bad for him i was like oh my god he's like genuinely sad right now and i felt i felt some of that pain so i'm extremely empathetic in that way that's good so exactly so you kind of have to be i think to be able to accurately criticize someone that isn't just bashing them. You know what I mean? You have to understand where they're coming from to be able to give a a good criticism of what they're doing. Um, So basically, like, one of the things is I I try to never attack a person for, like, something that they can't control. So if it's any kind of 
physical feature or the way their voice is or anything like that, I totally stay away from it. If it's an ideology that I think is hurtful to someone or they're actively doing things that are negative towards other people, I'm totally fine criticizing those kinds of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I bet I, I do set up rules for what, what I will do. Um, and of course, to, sometimes you make things that you think, oh, this this won't hurt anyone's feelings. This is what, and it does. And you, you just have to, you have to constantly balance it. Has there been a time where you've been hurt by um, something somebody said? By something, oh, by, um, by my commenters? Oh, constantly. <laughs> like every single day. Like, well, then I, that kind of neutralizes yeah, it, it a bit. It, it does at some point, but also you just, I, I, I've deleted it off my phone. So yeah. I, I had the studio app, which is amazing. You can see live view analytics and comments as soon as they're posted. They can be right there on your phone which is not good when your channel starts to grow and you have those constantly. Right, Especially right. because so much of my, the majority of my Bobby Burns channel career has been um, criticism of movies. And when someone doesn't like your opinion on a movie, they get nasty. And so basically I got to this point where I was like, oh, I am so depressed from this. And I just deleted the app off my phone and it, it freed my mind up to this incredible extent. And I've also, I've deleted Twitter off my phone. I did that right. probably three months ago. And it was the most mind altering thing because you just become so consumed with what is this person, what does everyone think of me? What does everyone think of me? And I use my computer, I use it on my computer all the time. So um, you do that, so you, that's yeah. how you do your social yeah. marketing. Yeah, it's, right. uh, I, I have Instagram on my phone because that's, I just post a picture on it. Yeah. I don't have to worry about comments very much. I just pretty much ignore them. But Twitter and the the comments and stuff I've just totally deleted where I don't have them on me if I'm in a position where it doesn't make any sense. If I'm out, there's no reason that I need to be checking my phone to see a comment on my YouTube video. I can do that when I get home. Yeah. And the thing is, I think if these people see you in person, mm -hmm. they would never say no. anything of what they're saying no, they, in those they, comments. They, there's no way they would. And even if you comment back, they send you this huge paragraph about how big of a fan they are, how much they love your videos. And they, it's... 95% of them are them are people who really want to connect with you, but they don't understand how to get you to respond to them or to have any connection. So they just say the nastiest, meanest thing to get any kind of really? response. Oh yeah. So you're working and you're creating a lot of content, a couple videos a week, right? You, you're yep. creating content for Bobby Burns and you're creating content for Branson's. Branson's. Um, so, so I do. How do you decide <laughs> what uh, creative ideas going where? So, so I, I, I work on. Uh, my brother Nathan has kind of joined my little creative team. We're working a team on, now. Yeah, it's me, my brother, and my girlfriend. Nice. Um, so we figured out kind of like a general flow for things. My girlfriend and I write the scripts for Branson's. Um, she works for Branson's as well. No, no, she well, she, she works with just with me. And on, now, is there enough money yeah. for you to sort yeah. of help? Yeah. So her and I, her and I do everything. We live together. We have our own little. Yeah. We do literally everything from my house. Wow. So we work for a network and they have an office but they've allowed me to work from home um we do a branson's video every single week we do bobby burns nope i, I had a channel called cinemash and then uh, i got approached by another company to why well, technically do still have that channel i upload every now and then but i got approached by another company to edit those kind of trailers for them much higher revenue because you're being paid by a company to make this video so it doesn't really matter what the uh, the views are on it as far as like to make your money back right. so it is worth your time to put in and because it's that way i always try to give them really really good ideas really good stuff like we did one that was i actually did elf the movie elf as a horror film yeah and that's one of the ones i did for them and that one really blew up that one 
that one got to like six or seven million. Like so, so it's good. They for get them. the money. They, they get the money. They paid but, you, but I consistently get the money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's like I, I got a salary coming in. Exactly. That's consistent. Probably which, hard to uh, get a bank loan when you walk in. <laughs> I got a YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never tried, so <laughs> I wouldn't know. Um, um, we we got oh oh something important that happened was we did that till we did this episode called everything wrong with WWE and some someone dropped the ball on that one and it was incredibly poorly researched just very world very wrestling bad. entertainment yes okay. very very poorly researched so it ended up being a very bad video a very bad video and the audience knew that and it got a ton of hate on the video and the next video we did everything wrong with another company that i shall shall not name um came at us for that video threatened to sue us we took down the video there was there was a lot a, a lot of stuff that happened um thankfully we got out of it everybody's fine they didn't for some reason they thought that they could sue us for a video making jokes about their company which I, I don't know how. None of the facts that we're saying were inaccurate. We, we did a lot of fact checking after the WWE video. Be like, okay, we ha- this has to be right. Um, but then after that, we just kind of had to shut down production of Branson's for shut down for nine months. Oh um, wow! Yeah. So while they were dealing with all of the legal, a lot of times they're just bullying you. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. That's completely what it was because they probably wouldn't have actually been able to do anything. But they're saying they are, and they're a big company. And they got so lawyers. They yeah. got lawyers. They got deep they pockets. Got scary, scary lawyers. Yeah. So. Dealt with that, but WWE didn't say anything. No, no, no. Even though you're totally wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, And uh, after that, about seven months into kind of waiting for us to be able to do it again, we started work. Sorry. Let's see what was I saying. Oh yeah. Um, So about seven months into just kind of waiting to be able to do Branson's again. I mean, I was I was doing other things. Oh yeah. I also edit. Uh, their show music video sense do two of those every week as well so you're still able to be, yeah. be on the payroll yeah exactly yeah. And i mean i still do that like yeah. I, so it's i forgot about <laughs> oh, that it's two more videos a week that i'm editing um so <laughs> wow yeah it, it's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff so um during that time i was I was doing that but about seven months in we started kind of concepting what the show could be now um because because of all the stuff that happened there was some things management kind of got moved around but who was running the show what, what was going on with it so we concepted out did a couple different kinds of pilots for the show and then watched through them the bosses said what they liked what they didn't like um and then it kind of just happened and then we just kind of had to start making the videos because we decided oh this is going to be our launch date and we made five of the episodes and they were very similar to how the old how the show was produced before but we started adding in these little things like instead of it being shot in front of like a, a black curtain with um, really strong backlight and where it looked like super professional like an episode I just shot it in the bathroom sitting in a tub like we just did just started doing that kind of stuff to be like this it, it's funnier this way right people feel like it's a person making it, not a group of people making it, which is uh, the most important thing on YouTube is making people feel like there's a singular vision going through a project. I think I think that is the most important thing. Um, and people can really feel that until so you have to do a really, really good job to hide it. Um, hide it or make that a part of the show that it's not just you. So like on 
on the Branson show, I constantly have my brother and my girlfriend in the video, like all like yell stuff to them in between the jokes I'm saying, and they'll respond from the other room, not even knowing I'm filming. Right. And so you have that very organic, real, real, real feeling in it. But but at this point, we've just broken so far away from what the show originally was when we when we started it that we can do almost anything we want completely on the show like we did everything wrong with Hatchimals and I literally I dressed up in a giant like uh, unitard and put like jean clothing on top of it and just did a Hatchimals unboxing and did jokes as we were going with it so like we we have we're able to do some very very goofy stuff Um, I think Andy Kaufman would love YouTube Andy Kaufman is the best. Um, so is there a temptation? Like for me as an old school mm-hmm. uh, television guy, there'd be a temptation to like maybe overproduce these things then. Yeah. Like, you know, you got to do it. We got to have everything, this and that. How do you not fall into that? Then? Um, the, it's basically just finding the balance of what kind of production matches each video okay. more than the whole channel like you can figure out generally what you want the aesthetic of your channel to be but my channel i i it's it's changed so much every few months um that it's you can't really do that with the way my channel works and the way a lot of people's channels works because the people that are really making moves and making interesting new stuff their stuff doesn't look the same it it constantly changes so it just depends on the video so like I was saying at the beginning of that video I did it's a Memento parody and shot pretty well like it it looks really nice it's lit pretty lit lit decently well because because I I wasn't able to completely light it because I had to move a light sit down hit record look at it see what was going on uh, (laughs) that kind of thing but like it, it totally depends. You had an I'm, attempt to uh, yes. be more cinematic yeah, 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 with it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. And that that is a big part of my channel right now is trying to have incredibly cinematic moments mixed with incredibly lo-fi moments. So that 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 episode has the momentum thing in the beginning and then at one point I literally just turned on the QuickTime webcam and just left it the size it is. Not I like, didn't blow it up to 1080p. Yeah. Just left it that size and it cuts to that halfway through the video and then continues. So like just whatever you need to emotionally convey what you're trying to say that's what that's what you have to do um and it's taken me seven years to learn that (laughs) but do you think that's a recipe for success oh i definitely think it is on youtube as a platform yeah Yeah. i mean i think that i don't know have you ever seen um any of casey neistat's videos yes he's i think he's the probably the best at that at finding it doesn't matter what the thing is he's using he learns how to use that thing to tell the kind of story he wants to tell Right. You know what I mean? Still has pretty good production values, oh, yeah, though. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. But, but I'm saying, like, sometimes he will go to just his phone. Like, if, yeah. if, he's, he's, if he's running and he sees something interesting and all he has is his phone, he just comes with his phone and inserts it into his beautiful 4K right. vlogs. And it's it totally works because that's where he is in that moment. The motivation's there. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. So um, when you describe this your latest videos mm-hmm. it kind of sounds like a show yes would you ever want to have your show on television um i don't i don't know i i don't think this show would work on television so much of it is about the fact that it is a show on youtube my goal is to make movies for the internet i i'm not interested in working in hollywood or anything like that um I like the idea of the money and working with large budgets and people who really care about making movies and are good at it, but you don't need Hollywood and 
A-list actors to create incredible movies and to find an audience. Like, I have a larger audience right now on YouTube yeah. than 99% of any filmmaker will ever have. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because most filmmakers make incredible movies, but have no one to see them. So my one of my goals has been to create a... Uh, one of my main goals in creating a platform is finding people that would be interested in the kind of movies that I'm making and not forcing it down their throats, but creating the content in a way that has my attitude and my way of looking at things. So whenever I do say, hey, look, I made a movie. Here it is for free on YouTube. They'll watch it. Like this this movie. Is that your plan? Your plan is to release this feature film on YouTube? Yeah, it, it's just going up as soon as I film it. It's just going to just be. As soon as you edit it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, now as a film it. Yeah. And you, well, the good thing is you've already got some mechanisms built yep. in to monetize it. Exactly. But it's going to run at like an hour and a half? Yeah. It'll probably be, it'll probably be around 70 minutes. 70 it's, minutes? Yeah. It's, it, it's not going to make almost anything doing it on YouTube. It's not about the money at this point though, because I, I know a lot of, <sighs> I get so frustrated, but I have so many filmmaker friends and people that I meet that are filmmakers and they make this thing like they pour all their money all their energy into like this one thing yeah and then they they've got to make the money back they have to or it's a failure and i don't want that's to... not just small time no, filmmakers either I that's know. hollywood yeah, exactly as well. you're only as good as your last one and you spend two three years making this thing exactly i don't want to be to the point where if i make this one thing and it doesn't appeal to everyone then it's a failure like that's that that's completely missing the point of what a movie is supposed to be to me. Like it's supposed to be a very personal connection you have with an image or a sound or a character that not that many people will have. Like I, I, I like I like a lot of movies, but there's some very specific movies. Do you know what A24 is? They're a, they're a production company and they started in, I think 2013. And they did a documentary and then a movie called Spring Breakers. Which was I saw Spring crazy. Breakers. Crazy. That's uh, Harmony. Yes. Cor- yeah. Harmony Quinn, who actually lives here in Nashville. Yeah, I know. Which I I I, I just learned. You didn't know that. Days. No, I learned that a couple days yeah. ago. Um, you like the rest of his films? Um, I, that's the only one I've seen. So I've I, seen I need, Kids. That's... I recommend that every parent watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. But I yeah I haven't. I want to see. Can't say I've enjoyed what, the the other ones. What's the one that has like the the kid the really really skinny kid? Gumbo. Um, yeah, Gumbo. That's or one Gumbo? I want to yeah. watch. Yeah. I want to watch that one. But so I saw that and I was like, that's crazy. And then. Every single movie they've put out since then, they're not all incredible, but they're all the most unique thing I've seen up until that point. Right. <laughs> like, they did The Witch, they did Room, uh, Green Room, The Lobster, Swiss Army Man. They just consistently put out incredibly unique films that appeal to a very specific market, and they do that by creating movies for $2 million, right. or $1 million, yeah. or $5 million. And they'll they do, like... 10 movies a year and spend 5 million on them but every year at least one of them it makes 30 40 million so like they do the kind of old old way of making movies in in the in it, nowadays um and that's that's kind of how I want to be making movies um but at this point I know I I'm, I'm not going to make I'm not going to make back any of the money that I'm putting into it so basically it's going up on YouTube to build an audience for when I decide, hey, I want to make a movie with an actual budget, and by actual budget, I mean like fifty thousand dollars. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Well, what's the budget of this one? Like this one, I mean, it was all just out of my pocket, and I think I haven't even looked at my 
all of the specifics, but because this isn't probably, including blood, sweat, and tears, exactly. but out of pocket, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's probably probably around twenty five hundred. That's probably my guess. Okay, um, and so it was like it's nothing. Like it, it, it's just like po- it's pocket change. You know what I mean? Right. For for what a what a film is, um, and I think we got some really really nice stuff for that amount of money because yeah. because of the way we filmed, it was literally me, my girlfriend. My brother and my friend Thomas, who came in from uh, New York, he he drove down here for us. Uh, he actually he helped write one of the drafts of the script. So everyone was incredibly invested, and like that was literally it for crew everything. Like that was it was just. Us. Did you act in it? So, yeah, I I had a very small role. I had, because mostly you were doing the production. Yeah, okay. I was. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a lot. <laughs> pretty much everything. So yeah, pretty much everything as far as production wise. But we. Because our crew was so incredibly small, and by incredibly small, I mean me, we were able to go anywhere we wanted. And sound-wise, we did lavs, um, and so there was no boom or anything like that. Yeah. Um, in in a scene, in scenes where like we couldn't, so we shot inside the Nashville Zoo, we shot in the Parthenon, and we never had. It, oh, we shot downtown Franklin. We never had anyone go and be like, hey, what are you doing around here? Um, th- there was one point at the zoo where someone was like, hey, um, what's go- what's going on? And we're like, we're just taking pictures. And they're like, okay, cool. Because it's a, it's a DSLR. No right. one can tell the difference. Um, and that's something I've learned is if someone asks you what you're doing, just say you're taking pictures. Taking stills. Yeah, because yeah. no one no one gets offended by that. But if you say I'm filming, they're immediately like, what, what's going on? What's going on? But be- because we did that with the lobs, we were able to get really clean audio. It sounds nice. And shoot in the most intense situations that you wouldn't be able to have a crew or a boom or anything and you get very organic um stuff like one thing that happened happened twice where we were shooting a scene that was like this really long tracking shot walking through like up this hill at the zoo and we hit this one point where they're they were asking like where the where the tigers and there was a guy walking behind them and that guy just joined their conversation because he heard the dialogue and because he didn't see any mics, he's like, oh, it's just people talking. And so he's in part of the scene. He kept as, him in. Like, hopefully, that's, I'm hoping to be able to use the scene because I haven't been able to fully cut it yet. Yeah. But they, he just started talking and then they started talking to him. And it, it, it was the strangest, strangest thing that you never would have been able to capture otherwise. Sure, you, know what I mean? you had another guy with a, with a whiteboard there <laughs> reflecting light in and, and, and then a and, boom. And people care way less about production value than you think they do if you have a compelling story and clear audio. And that's... I like to hear you say that. Clear audio. Yeah, people underestimate that. Oh, yeah. It's the... It's probably the most important part of filmmaking if you're having any kind of dialogue. Yeah. Unfortunately, because we were using loves, there is a little bit of rustle every now and then, and there's that kind of thing, but there are ways to clean that up, and you can do some ADR. And we structured the film in a way where... Where... we could have huge portions of dialogue just destroyed and be totally okay because we we did it where like the whole sequence at the zoo it's probably 12 15 pages um i i think in the script but we did it where it's they're sit, like sitting or walking around different locations at the zoo and they'll be having a conversation and as that's happening you're seeing things that images of what they were doing right before that so mm. you're hearing the dialogue, uh, you know the it's film, an overlay, an yeah. overlay. You know the film her, mm-hmm. how they would have the conversations, and then those images. So it's very much like that. So we could have sh- we could have shot that dialogue anywhere we wanted, and still had all those images play, and it would have worked exactly the same way. So we did that for any of the locations that were going to be. Um, we were even the slightest bit worried about not being able to film there, uh, because you can get away with just a camera. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can get away yeah. with that. So you had a script though. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Because I'm surprised because like you're yeah. the YouTube generation yeah, where yeah. you just said, you know, I don't like to write things out. I want to mm-hmm. be authentic and that. Mm-hmm. So you're making a feature. It sounds a lot like uh, uh, Mariachi, uh, Robert Rodriguez, yes. that kind of style, that, but it's still a traditional film because yes. you got a script and you still have mm-hmm. dialogue and scenes and all that. Yeah. So what makes it, how's it going to play on YouTube then? Well, so th- the way that I've been viewing this is kind of like, it is one of the first YouTube movies because there have been movies made that were posted to YouTube, but they weren't made by YouTubers. They're made by companies that are trying to hit the YouTube market and they have YouTubers in them. So like there's this huge thing like YouTube Red um, yeah. and full screen. They've, they've been creating all this content. Well, full screen is it's kind of a separate thing, but like YouTube Red, they've made movies that have like legitimate directors very large budgets, like millions and millions of dollars yeah. into a budget. And then it has a couple of YouTubers in it as the stars, but that's not a YouTube movie. That's a movie with YouTubers in it. So this is one of the first times I think, as far as I know, that there's been a full feature film made by YouTubers just to be put on YouTube. And I took that into account a lot when we were creating it. We wanted something that would connect just purely on an emotional level. Um, and it really affected the way I shot it. So it was shot, we shot in 16 by nine and the film is basically, it's basically about grief and loss and um, the, the main character we're following has an incredibly inaccurate view of the world around him. So I don't know if, have you ever seen the show Mr. Robot? No. Okay. They, they shoot it in a very, very unique way where m- there is never a frame that's framed properly. It's always like, so, like if someone was sitting in a chair, instead of centering them or two third, like uh, on the uh, on the line, they're like, this is the the corner of the frame. They're they fa- half their face is cut off by the frame. Oh really? Because you're all from a very sim- similar kind of character's perspective. Who he's incredibly antisocial, incredibly disconnected from everything. So that's the best way to show it is to just literally have him disconnected from everything and he can't fully see what's going on he has a very skewed view so we didn't do that we didn't take it to that extreme um but any scene that involves this main character um is either an extreme wide shot or a very intense close-up because that's when you're watching a movie on youtube your screen's what eight inches like as far as like if you're watching in just the normal youtube right YouTube, the website, make it full screen the browser. and if you're watching on your phone it's even smaller so to be able to convey that intense level of emotion that we wanted it couldn't just be mediums because that that's not good you, can, you can't see the intricacy in someone's expression sure. and stuff that small so you have to be able to convey that with your shots um so it it, it very much affected the way I shot it. So what are your hopes for this then? Like where, where's the bar set? What do you need to accomplish um, for, for it to be a win? For it to be a win? I mean, I think it's already a win for me because we shot the film. Yeah. And I literally nothing was making it happen other than the fact that we just decided it was going to happen and it's it's done. Like we shot a movie and I have that and I have that experience and it, the reason for doing the movie was mainly I need to shoot a film. <laughs> like like I, I had that in me for like four years and I haven't been able to get it out and it happened. And so like I sometimes whenever I'm just about to go to sleep, I'm like, Oh my God, I shot a film. That's just the craziest thing because I've talked about doing it for so long. Yeah. And it's just done. So as far as like 
the actual film when it's done. It I goes want, up on Bobby Burns? It goes, yeah, it's going to go up on Bobby Burns. Um, there, there are several places that um, I've talked to that there, there is a possibility at some point of uh, selling streaming rights to a, a company, a couple different places um, that, that I'm, I'm going to be reaching out to. Now, are they um, saying this because... You they, have a platform, they, they, or they've it's, read it's the script, people that have, or it's people that have. It, it's not connected to the film. It's I've re, they've reached out to me several other times um, to create original content for them. That uh, was a, it was like a television show, and then there was one that was uh, sort of a film. Um, so I'm going to be reaching out to them at some point soon. Um, but basic, basically, I just want there to be a movie with my name on it that is finalized and is something that I think works and is interesting and can affect people's emotions in any way you know what i mean yeah. if, if you make someone feel anything from a movie i think you did you did something right well i think that's why we all got into it mm-hmm. is because we sat in that dark theater yep. and we felt something yeah and you just want to you want to do that you want to recreate that yeah i just want other i want to have created something that affects someone i want to go back to youtube just for a little bit yeah, here yeah. is the gold rush over in youtube i mean you mean for for exposure on there and for building a platform there and for making money there no i mean it's it's bigger than it's ever been on uh, on that really front. oh so you're yes. you're making it work it's yeah it's yeah. it's basically like, it's your job it's your yeah. career you're yeah, making yeah. a career oh. do you see it for years then yeah i i mean i want i don't want to ever get rid of my youtube channel um i i, I don't plan to we post to it weekly for the rest of my life but i do plan to have that as a creative outlet for as long as i can um for as long as like it exists because it is so incredible to have thousands of people that if i have like this weird idea i want to try just do it and then see if they like it you know what i mean it doesn't have to be this huge year-long production or four months production like this film has been like literally i just like i want to parody memento okay Boop, there it is. Right. Made it in four days. Do you like it? <laughs> so I, I don't want to ever lose that. So if other people wanted to get into it, mm-hmm. is it, it's not too late for them? For inter- as far as... I'm talking about just getting YouTube, paid. Getting, getting paid, paid on for YouTube. YouTube. There are plenty of things you can do that will make you money on YouTube. A lot of them are things that frustrate me, and I make right. videos talking about how you shouldn't do it. But like, <laughs> there, are, there are things you can do that are... They just work. They like what? Just give, me a, like, just give me a couple. There's <sighs> Minecraft gaming videos. Okay? Don't seem to be big. Yeah, they're somehow still massive. So I don't have anything against gaming videos. Like my brother has a gaming channel, and I think, and he does really good, interesting stuff with with, with his content. Yeah, and he's a great personality. But there are plenty of personalities that frustrate me so much, and I'm like, no, this this isn't worth watching. It, it, it but they still are successful because they have. They're hitting just the right audience with the right thing. So, like, like I said, with the Minecraft, Minecraft audience, um, like my younger brother Chris is—he's been obsessed with it since he was really little. He's right. been watching Minecraft videos. So, so, you have to be super high energy, just as loud as you can be, and just play it constantly. You have to upload a video, gaming video every single day, every single day, and never stop. And kids are watching these walkthroughs or oh, yeah. playthroughs. Like or? my, bu- uh, I mean, I know my son yeah, is. My yeah, son. yeah. Like it, it, it's it constantly. You just watch it because it's not. 
the majority of gaming videos aren't about the game. Like there are certain YouTube channels that are about the game. Like Nathan's channel, he's done some stuff to make it where the game has more of a central focus in the video, but it's not about that. It's about the, the character or you when you're making the video what his experience is with the gaming, the, and the world that he's interacting to with. It. Oh, yeah. And I mean, people feel some sort of emotion. Exactly. Like, there's there's a couple channels that I watch every now and then that, that I really like. Like, there's, I mean, obviously, like, the largest guy on YouTube, PewDiePie. Right. I watched him for a long time, and I still watch him every now and then because I like him as a person, and he has an interesting personality. It, all of it comes down to what is your personality like and can you craft an interest an interesting enough personality for people to watch because a lot of it doesn't really have anything to do with what you're doing it's who you are and do people like that or not um do you think they manipulate that like i mean oh uh, i mean my largest video that i've had in the past six months was called how youtubers manipulate their audience i watched that one it's a great one exactly people should check it out yeah that's 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 yeah i'm pretty happy with that video but it is something that you have to do to to make youtube work because i had um after i made that video um that you're talking about i had a guy that i've looked up to probably six or eight years he made a video as a response to it i'm talking about how you have to fake emotions and stuff to make YouTube be a thing. Because people, if you're completely genuine online, there's this weird thing where people don't believe that that is what what a genuine emotion looks like because they're so used to everyone else faking that emotion on YouTube. So there's this whole different way to interact with an audience than you ever would with a normal person. Um, like, let's say like if I'm if I'm gonna shoot one of my videos, I take a shower, I put on makeup to cover up some of my acne, I fix my hair, I, do, I wouldn't do all of that just to go say hi to somebody. Right. You know, I mean, I would take a shower, but like, <laughs> but like I wouldn't get all dressed up and I don't speak in my, hey everybody, I'm a da 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 whenever I'm just talking, because I'm just talking, it's yeah. just my voice. So there are plenty of things like that that are just necessary to make someone be interested in what you're saying. That you have to be engaging in some way. Any advice to someone who's wants to get some more views or subscribers? You subscribers? Um, I mean, trying to find your authentic self that works for the camera. There's there's a there's finding yourself and then there's finding your YouTube YouTube self. And my YouTube self happens to be a very sarcastic, pessimistic person that is creative like that's that's kind of the the kind of character i've created on my youtube channel it's not necessarily me no you're very optimistic you're sitting here exactly you're you're taking on the world exactly but on my youtube channel that's not necessarily how i come across because that's not the character so you have to once you start viewing a youtube channel as a show and your personality as a character it really helps understanding what will work there's a lot of different movements on youtube so like there's there was like the gamer movement and that just t- destroyed everything else and that was what youtube was for a long time before that was cat videos and then for a while it was short live action comedy special effects videos then there's like this new wave of guys that are like filthy frank idubs that's kind of like this super low production value mixed with like really interesting almost performance art kind of stuff that's incredibly vulgar and aggressive and dumb. It's like this very weird combination of things, but it, that's kind of what 
is popping on YouTube right now. And it's something that it's, I'm obsessed with that. And that's kind of where I've been gearing a lot of my content to reach out to the audience of that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, so just finding that niche and not just copying what you see, although that is important to copy what you really like to figure out what your perspective is. It's just important that you do find what that unique perspective is before anything will really happen. I'm not saying it won't happen because there are plenty of people who have just copied everyone else and it just works. But the people that really stand out and really get massive have taken someone else's idea and grown on it. Because YouTube is very much kind of like hip hop where it's like you take little pieces of everything and you mix it together to create a song. This That's the way it is with YouTube. YouTube is just building on everyone else's YouTube videos. Do you feel pressure? Yeah. Yeah, there's there, there's a lot of pressure going into it. And it, <laughs> when we were making the film, I was like, oh my God, Jordan, I haven't felt this chill and calm in so long making a film. <laughs> so I was like, that means I'm pretty stressed doing YouTube. <laughs> um, I was like, that's not how this is supposed to work. So it's 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 very, very stressful. It's really, it's really rewarding. It's really fun. But it's way more work than people think it is um, to consistently have a new idea that's that's really rough because you gotta like, feed the beast exactly because it's like oh yeah i'll i'll be able to come up with something and then it's the day to write your episode and you're like well nope got nothing i got absolutely nothing so like i did video essays just straight video essays for probably three or four months on my youtube channel and the first five or six i was like oh yeah this is easy i got this i got plenty of stuff to talk about and by like the eighth one, I was like, oh my God, looking for articles and doing so much research just to find a topic, not even what I was going to say about it, just what's a thing I could talk about that I have anything to say about. You know what I mean? So like that, that just didn't work for me. So I had to phase it out. That's why with this new, this new kind of content I'm making, I'm trying to make it where you can put almost anything into it and it still is the same content, but there's I'm kind of viewing it as a little puzzle and I can put all these different little things into it and then they all... It's kind of like a template? Template, yeah. There you go. There's a template for it. That's great. Well, I want to test you now, oh, your no. confidence and, and what you learned from your, your film shoot. Oh, no. I end every episode, I throw out a film production term. Oh, man. And, hey, don't worry. Okay. Uh, out of eight episodes, uh, seven people had no clue and these are <laughs> film these are film professionals. Okay, okay. Okay. Here it is. So what, what am I supposed to do? I'm just supposed to tell you what it is? Yeah, I mean, you give me the definition okay. then. Okay, ready? Okay. Rhubarb. Rhubarb? Uh, okay, you so might I'm, have also it, heard rutabaga. Rutabaga, rutabaga. Oh, wait, I do... Oh, my God. I went to a zombie film camp over the summer, and they taught me what this is. Yeah? And I don't... Oh, man. <sighs> rutabaga. Is it... No, it's not like a sandbag. I'll do it again. Rutabaga, rutabaga. They also use walla, 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 walla. Okay. Is this something to do with lights? No. Okay. It's okay. audio. It's audio? What it's is It's background it? conversation by extras. Okay. Rutabaga? Yeah. So when they're doing the walla, ADR walla, or something, uh, and then, because, you know, when you film the extras, it's silent. And then when hmm. you go in, you got to make this chatter. Yep. Um, rutabaga, rutabaga. It <laughs> makes your lips move nice. They have them say that rutabaga, on set. Rutabaga. And then walla, walla, walla is the sort of mumbling oh. in the background. There you go. Well, there we go. I yeah. learned something. There you go. I thought I'd give you something. <laughs> well, this has been a pleasure. Yeah, it's Bobby. Been fun. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. So, how cool was that? Man, I, I am still wrapping my head around 
YouTube as a medium and probably more so the YouTube generation. Like, what the audience, what are they looking for? What are they after? But I think I've got a little more insight now after hearing from Bobby and a little greater understanding of the whole phenomenon that's probably not a fad. It's here for good. Anyways, great to have Bobby. Be sure to check out his YouTube channel, Bobby Burns, and also watch out for that feature film because it's going to be out soon. I want to thank you for tuning in and listening. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Please rate and review us on iTunes uh, if you can. Share the podcast if you know somebody who is interested in breaking into the media industry and you think they might find this podcast interesting, please give it a share. And I'll see you next time on How I Got This Gig.